Social Conversations. We are now joined by Kanyisa Nomoyi from the National Business Initiative. Thank you very much for joining us, Kanyisa. Hi, Patricia. Thanks for having me. Um, unfortunately, I think there may be a sound issue. I'm struggling to hear you properly. All right. Uh, I don't know whether it's the network connection because we lost our last guest. Is it a bit better now? Yes, excellent. So you as um, business leaders have uh, come together and declared zero tolerance for gender-based violence in South Africa. Let's talk about it. Correct. Um, So, I mean, when it comes to gender-based violence and the scourge um, of it within the country, across the country, I think we've all seen the research and the stats um, and the work of activists and reporting this this crisis, specifically its escalation during this lockdown period, um, the limitation of resources, um, people working from home, which also means that um, for a lot of victims and survivors, they are um, locked in with their abusers and there isn't a space for them to seek help and to seek assistance um, and to escape that abusive environment. And so... As National Business Initiative, one of our key strategic um, approaches is through collective action. And what we've done is we have brought together um, groups of companies within the South African private sector to really um, come up and also support and upscale um, interventions when it comes to supporting um, the eradication of GBV. And one of the ways in which we've done this is through our GBV working group, as well as conducting research, because we take very seriously and we understand the complexity um, of gender-based violence and that it's important for business and for companies to intervene and act. I'm glad that uh, business is coming to the forefront when it comes to such crimes um, because they lead to death, they lead uh, to um, people not being able to be productive in the economy. But looking at uh, the 2014 KPMG study, too costly to ignore, it is and it goes unnoticeable that uh, the economic impact of gender-based violence in South Africa has uh, really yeah. become an issue. And uh, the cost of it is uh, really, really one that we can't ignore in this country. So as businesses, do you feel that the strategy that you are coming up with to to educate, uh, to, to protect your employees, and also to make sure that uh, gender-based violence and the zero, zero tolerance around it is impact, it's impactful, do you feel this will help in economic recovery? Right. I mean, when it comes to the economic conversation, it's equally as, as, as complex as nuanced as the issue that we're trying to address, right? So, for instance, um, you know, the research that was done estimated that GBV cost the economy about 1% of our total GB, uh, GDP. What is also true is we have a gender pay gap um, and the implications and the consequences of pay inequity is that often the victims and survivors of GBV, and in this case, we're speaking about women and gender diverse persons, may not necessarily have the financial resources because of the pay gap um, in order for them to sort any health, as well as uh, justice support, right? Um, So it's important for business to also think about how do we close the gender pay gap and ensure that there's equity and equality 
from an economic and income level as one of the key um, responses and interventions to supporting um, survivors and, 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 and victims of gender-based violence. It's also critical for business to support various government institutions as well as NGOs, um, CSOs and, and activist movements that are doing a lot of work when it comes to economic justice and how this aids in the eradication of GBV. A-teamers, please join in on the conversation I'm having with Kanyisa Nomoi from the National Business Initiative that um, has uh, come together with other businesses to say zero tolerance to gender-based violence. What are your thoughts? Do you believe that business has the muscle to be able to bring us to that point where there's zero tolerance for gender-based violence? And we're not only talking about women here, we're talking everyone, including the LGBTQI plus community, including violence that is perpetrated against men by women. And uh, also including the violence against children. Do you feel that this is the approach? This is what we should all collectively be doing. And uh, if you'd like to also share experiences or if you run an NGO or an NPO that is supporting people who have uh, been uh, victims of GBV, let us know about that NPO or NGO on 011-714-2006 or WhatsApp is 614 Remember, you can also SMS 41391 and our SMSs are charged at 150. Kangisa, you know, when you talk about the fact that um, business should be supporting various NGOs that are in the forefront of um, the work to, to, to assist those in gender-based violence and so on. I think of the fact mm-hmm. that in South Africa, we are in a huge shortage of shelters for those who have been victims. And these shelters as well don't always cater to those in the LGBTQI plus community. So how will yeah. business be able to, to, to bring in funds in the coffers of those NPOs and also awareness that there should not be any discrimination. Anyone who needs shelter should get shelter, and there should be more shelters in the country through the funding of businesses via their uh, CSI. Right. Um, and it's it's really important that you highlighted the CSI aspect because it's often, you know, one of the focal points. It's, it's, it's still a very important mechanism, right? Um, however, understanding the crisis and the urgency of gender-based violence means that we have had to do a lot of engagement around the understanding of gender-based violence as a whole and its implications, right? Um, And so when we speak about gender, we're not only speaking about women and we're not only speaking about cisgender women to be specific, right? So broadening that landscape to ensure that no one is left behind um, and that we take seriously the the groups that are marginalized and um, and 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 violated on the basis of their gender and really unpacking misogyny and sexism and patriarchy and how these uh, oppressive systems um, have carried out throughout society and how they host uh, gender-based violence as a whole and so in advising and supporting um, our member companies in their key strategies and interventions. We're always cognizant of the understanding of gender-based violence. We're also very deliberate in ensuring that, um, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community is also taken seriously um, and supported. So whether it's through um, the funding of transitioning homes uh, or, or shelters or whatever the case may be, but to ensure that we touch on a broad landscape of what kind of 
institutions at a community level. So your your shelters and your transitioning homes and your safe homes are essentially at a community level, and you want to ensure that the partnership and the relationship between business and communities is one that is understanding of the context, understanding of the nuances, but also being very deliberate about the kind of support to ensure that as many people within um, the community are supported. Let me go to the lines. I've got Aisha on the line. Good evening, Aisha. Hello. Good evening. Good evening, Aisha. I think Aisha's line is having issues. Um, let's take her back to Ben, and hopefully once she's got a better connection, we'll be able to con- uh, continue with uh, hearing what her comment is. Uh, Aisha, are you back on the line? Can you hear us? Yes, yes. Now I can hear you. I couldn't hear you. All right. Good evening. Good evening. Um, to your guest, I would like to say to business, uh, to the business community. Before we speak about gender-based violence, we must begin with structural violence. When I'm talking about structural violence, I'm talking about that gap between men and women. Before they do anything, they must fix that one. Then from there, we move on. We are not speaking, I'm not speaking about the the, uh, physical violence and the stuff that that is easy to see. It is is the 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 the, Toxic masculinity, the attitude, the little snide remarks. What programs have, are, has she done a survey on the company and what programs they have in place to, to deal with that? Great question. Thank you. I will listen on the radio. Great questions, um, Aisha. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that uh, even within the corporate spaces, uh, there's a structural uh, struggle that women are facing because uh, women, it is known globally, uh, women are not getting paid as uh, their male counterparts. It's not equal. So, Kanyisa, what's your response? Absolutely. Thank you so much for that question, Aisha. Um you know, so ours is, so we move from a point of intersectionality, right? So we understand that these different structural um, oppressions and systems intersect and they affect people differently based on their social status, based on, you know, race, gender, class, neurodiversity, disability, so on and so forth. And so when it comes to the structural exclusion. This is something that we are very cognizant and very aware of, even as the NBI, as well as our engagements with member companies, um, is to support them in their transformation initiatives. So in closing the pay gap, in dealing with harassment, discrimination, exclusion, and bias. Um, And I think because we are dealing with such complicated um, socioeconomic issues, um, there isn't just one program or or project or intervention to respond to all of that. So as with most social transformation issues, they are unfortunately viewed as slow-bring issues because you've got the systemic things, right? So you 
You've got the support that we give to companies when it comes to updating their policies, systems, structures, grievance mechanisms, and how they provide support to their employees. Um, And then there's the more complicated aspect of the work where you need to deal with people's attitudes and behaviors and patterns um, and really workplace culture, which has been cultivated for years, um, which aligns with a specific kind of thinking with a specific line of power, privilege, and positionality. And that area of work is one that um, requires ongoing engagement, ongoing um, learning and unlearning, um, and just being very deliberate and consistent in those engagements. So to respond to, to, to Aisha is to say that we're cognizant of the two ways in which we approach structural um, exclusion and violence in this sense. Um, and as the NBI, we're working towards addressing both. Let's go to a quick break and uh, we'll be back uh, with Kangisa Nomoyi from the National Business Initiative uh, talking zero tolerance for gender-based violence. This is what uh, business leaders are declaring. You as an A-teamer has an, have an opportunity to interact with us on 11 714 or sending a WhatsApp on 614 Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Social Conversations. We are still in conversation with Kangi Sanomoy from the National Business Initiative talking about uh, the business leaders who are declaring a zero tolerance for gender-based violence. Now, Kangi how important is it for companies, organizations, um, institutions, even of higher learning and religious and traditional institutions to implement a, a policy on sexual harassment and assault in the workplace, in uh, in the various institutions to aid in the zero tolerance um, for GBV? It's really critical. It's absolutely um, crucial that they have those those policies in place. So, um, and to really be progressive in ensuring that the policies that are structured and implemented, um, you know, follow a line of harm reduction, um, that they prioritize the, the safety, the security, and the well-being of of survivors and 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 victims of of gender-based violence, um, and ensuring that uh, recourse and justice takes place. Right. So policies effectively, um, you know, exist as living documents that protect people, and they also um, set the community standard in terms of what is expected of your behavior in the workplace and your interactions. Um, and it also speaks to the values of the organization um, when it comes to, you know, human rights, dignity, um, safety, and security. So policies are really critical and ensuring that those policies um, are being implemented properly um, and that they are being used by the, the workforce, that people can rely on those policies um, is really important in ensuring that when we say zero tolerance, that's exactly what we mean. Um, and we've got the track record to prove that. Here's a message here via SMS, and it says, Patricia, can you explain what gender-based violence means? Because just today I witnessed a lady viciously attacking her husband and with him not even fighting back, and ladies around were encouraging her to do so. But if it was a man beating a woman, you're... 
Um, I think the the connection is cutting again. Can you please repeat the SMS? So uh, it says um, today the ATM witnessed a lady viciously attacking her husband and he was Mm -hmm. not fighting back and there were other ladies around who were encouraging her to do so. And he says, but if it was a man beating a woman, it would be a different story. So he wants us to explain what gender-based violence means. Right. Okay. So... Gender-based violence is violence that is enacted upon a specific group of people um, based on a discrimination and hatred of that specific gender, right? Um, And systemically and socially, the genders that are affected um, disproportionately are women and gender-diverse persons and and people who identify um, across the spectrum of the LGBTQIA plus community. With that being said, it is not to deny the fact that there are men who have been abused um, and that there are men who are abused, right? It's to, it's, it's, it also doesn't take away from the fact that women can definitely be abusers and that gender diverse persons can also be abusers. However, when we look at it structurally, we know that there's a disproportionate um, you know, impact on these specific genders that are excluded from socioeconomic participation um, who are also violated at an intimate but also at a very public level. So when you think about, you know, safety in the streets, um, for a lot of gender diverse persons and and women, it's not safe to even walk 100 meters um, outside of your house without being catcalled or harassed or followed. Um, or violated in any kind of way. And that is primarily based on your gender. Um, It is also primarily based on the fact that um, men predominantly rely on toxic masculinity and patriarchy to invoke that kind of violence in public spaces. And that also translates into various aspects of society. So in school, at church, um, at work, at home, across the spectrum. And so that is the, the working understanding and definition of gender-based violence that we work with. I hope that answers your question, our A-teamer. I'm going to the lines. Uh, Simon, A-teamer, good evening. Good evening, Simon. Hello, Mami, how are you? Strong, how are you? I'm fine. My name is Simon. I'm calling you from Muleti Mwene, Kulokwa, Jespeg. I was born in 1972, and then I, I went to school at, at, at the right time. The last time when I, it was 1989, I, I was doing my grade 7. So there, there was a couple of punishments in school. So I failed once. Then I, when I, the problem was couple of punishments. Then I quit school because of couple of punishments. From there, when I, I stayed more than seven years or eight years. And then after, after that, the couple of punishments was getting over. Because that my dear came out of the station, then he abolished the he abolished the corporate punishment. Then I was the first person who went back to school. Right? So I was at the, I was at the age of 27 years, and when I went to school there, those classmates of mine, right? they were at the age of of 12 years. And then my sister is a pastor. My sister is my sister. My sister, well, I love her so much. And then he's a teacher too there. Then when I was young, I heard that my mother used to wish my mother to move, my mother to move, my mother to move. But I've never taken that into consideration because these people give a lot of money, they give a lot of money. So now when I return to my school at the age of 27 years, 
then my teacher then I, I, I was the best at school there. I wanted to become I wanted to become the next Pyatranga. Those people that they inspire me to get back to school at the early age of 27 years. The, the All right, Simon. Simon, yes. so, so are you saying that corporal punishment is one of the reasons that we can pinpoint the gender-based violence on? No, it, it, it was over. It was over. The corporal punishment, it was over. It, it was by, by its own time. So I don't, I don't believe the corporal punishment. But the one I became bad after the corporal punishment, Vera, I've never known, I, I've never known my mother, Vera, they hated her, Vera. So the fact that my sister, Vera, was fighting with my mother when I was so young, she never controlled that fight. So now I pay up the credit that I've never known. I've, I've never, never owned with my own future. I love my sister. And my sister, my sister is my sister. My sister is my pastor. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you. Thank you for declaring love for your sister. Let's go to a voice note. Good evening. SAFM is Junzi from Cape Town. I think sometimes we end up uh, misdiagnosing the problem and and end up not targeting at the root cause. We end up blaming uh, patriarchy, toxic masculinity and all but not addressing the real problem of why in South Africa specifically we have got a higher rate of gender-based violence compared to the rest of Africa. The rest of Africa have the same uh, patriarchy and all, but they don't have the same rate of gender-based violence. And the more we try to ignore that fact, the more we will misdiagnose the problem and the more we will create more problems instead of solving them. Yeah. Um, Kangisa, we need to round off our conversation. What are your closing comments? Um, so I think I I would close off this, this, this discussion by saying that it's really important to have resources and support that is directed towards ensuring that um, gender-based violence is understood at its very broad um, but structural level. It's, it's, It's critical for business to continue taking up a lot of responsibility when it comes to key interventions because GBV is not just something uh, that happens outside of the workplace. Um, the workplace in and of itself is a microcosm of society. So the same things that happen um, in the rest of, uh, of our social lives is also happening within the workplace. And it's really critical to ensure that the private sector, the South African private sector, continues to um, invest time, resources, um, as well as building government and, and NGO and civil society and activist movements partnerships to ensure that we understand the complexity of the issue um, and that we don't shy away from addressing its root causes as well as the perpetrators um, who live amongst us in, in our society. Thank you very much, Kanyisa. Thank you. We need to cut it there. Thank you for joining us. Sure. A-teamers, uh, let's go straight to the news with Mudubi Mahalimela. Mudubi, hola.